0: Hello NFT curious friend, welcome to another action-packed episode of Edge of NFT. Here's what's in store for you today. First and most eminently exciting, make sure to listen all the way through this episode for details on our guest's $7,500 value giveaway, including a Picasso lithograph with a certificate of authenticity, along with 10 minted NFTs that represent the entirety of the fraction's Of that litho print also in this episode you'll learn about the big ideas our guests today have for stabilizing the currencies of developing countries and how strange encounters with half clothed dudes at burning man can actually inspire folks to take meaningful action toward real world change for the good all this and more on this episode of edge of nft stay tuned Also don't forget to head on over to edgeofnft.com to sign up for our newsletter, where we're always dropping fresh and valuable NFT info and super exciting giveaways. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy this special panel discussion episode with EcoFi recorded live with an audience at Budsman Gallery in
1: Venice, California. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger
0: Today's episode features Kevin Monahan, Lawrence Lanoff, and Denver Nunley, the founders of EcoFi, a hub for NFT marketplaces that fractionalize ownership of real-world property. They are cryptocurrency ecosystem pioneers and masters of art, cinema, and networking who are rewriting the book on how to engage a global audience. Let's hear a little bit about each of them. Kevin hails from the world of venture capital and cryptocurrency wallet platforms that give him a unique perspective and knowledge that he deploys at EcoFi. Prior to founding EcoFi, he co-founded the company MyCrypto and coordinated operations at My Ether Wallet. Next, we have Lawrence. He's been in the cryptocurrency space since 2011 and participated in the guidance and building of various platforms. He is an award-winning filmmaker, professional producer, and director as well as best-selling author. And finally, Denver. He's an early adopter, supporter, and builder within the Ethereum ecosystem. Before founding EcoFi, Denver gained a privileged insight in the formation of DeFi platforms by working closely with the team behind MakerDAO. He has interests in film and the proliferation of cannabis legalization. Guys, welcome. Great to have you here.
2: Guys, it's so great to have you here. And this is some first for us. It's our first time having three guests. And it's our first time with a live audience, which we're very excited about. Thank you guys for being here. Say hello to our audience at home. So there'll be a little adjustment today. Since we have an audience, we'll do some Q&A at the end of the show. So think about your juiciest questions for this illustrious group we have here today. But let's kick it off with Ethan, who has a question for these gentlemen. All right. So um, the first question
0: we want to get underneath is starting from the beginning. And that is, how did you all come together? And how was EcoFive born? Wow. Do you want to start with the Burning
1: Man Santa Claus?
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Okay. So Burning Man, circa 2016. I am just about to leave the playa. And this is a big deal when you leave the playa and everybody's going away. And we're about mm, a week into having torn down the camp. And I see a half naked Santa Claus from the bottom, from the bottom. And I was like, are you like involved in, in Bitcoin? And he's like, yeah, I am. Awesome. So he goes, I said, what's, you know, what's happening? Like what's happening now? And he goes, I am super excited about Ethereum. And what's going on there? And, you know, the Dow hack had recently happened. And we were both, I was hacked in the MT Gox thing. And we were like, we were just like, yeah, oh, geez. And he mentioned Ethereum. And then we set up a private group, which is where we all met. We met because I wanted to go deep. And it just so happens that Hat against Santa Claus is very deep in the space of Ethereum. So that's, that, he put us in this like little, you know, this really cool. I was like 10 people, very small
0: niche group with some some people who are working on uh, ethereum itself right and yes with, there was, there was the a half naked of us the half naked santa claus wasn't vitalic buterin was it
1: if it were i would be <laughs> unable to disclose this information <laughs> but no there wasn't yeah sure so ecofi's
3: economic model hinges on the principles of staking DeFi, yield farming and nfts tell our listeners more about how the system works Okay, so there's two parts of this, and I'm going to take the first one. And this is our staking mechanism because this is what I thought up. Basically, when we were when these guys hit me up to make this to, to to make this project, I was kind of like, "How can I do something productive with this space that's all and right now?" So I was like thinking about Venezuela because I was spending a lot of time out in Spain, where like there's tons of essentially refugees from Venezuela, and they've corrupted their government. Their whole social like political stuff is really messed up. And they did it to themselves. So I was looking at their, their system and how they messed it up. And I was like, how could you make a better system? And then I started thinking about our banking systems and how they could work better. Currently, when you give your money to the bank, they take your money and they make more money with your money and they give you none of it. Banks in Germany are now charging negative interest rates. So it means you now pay for them to make money off of your money. And I thought that that was a really screwed up way to do financial systems. So I came up with this system that basically pays off the little guy the most. And the way that that does that is by paying off the richest people the most as well. And the way that you can do that is by essentially when you give a dollar to something, you get 90 cents back, 90 cents in interest. You will get your dollar plus 90 cents. And of that 10 cents that's left over, we take half of it and it goes to us so that we can run stuff. And the other half of it, we split equally between everybody that's in the pot. That means that the people with the most money in there still get the biggest in number, but they get the smallest percentage of that pot. So that was the idea that, was, that came from our state, that our staking mechanism came from. And the way that I thought that this would work best was if you force people to learn how to invest. And the only way that I could think to do that was to actually force them to lock up their money for some period of time. So you don't have the option when you, when you start staking with us, and there's a 90-day period that you cannot get your money back. At the end of that 90-day period, you will get all of your money back. And then whatever interest you've accrued, you actually get the interest you accrued over the time of the entire mechanism. But you cannot touch your money for 90 days. Which you could is- touch the interest, though.
2: Yeah, let me just interrupt you there for a second, because I was just talking to someone the other day about even with Wall Street, it used to be when you buy a stock, you believed in that stock and it was a mechanism for holding it for a really long time. The blue chips were blue chips for five, 10 years. And then with rapid trading and sort of this culture of, I don't know, short attention span and quick profits, it sort of changed the game. And and we've seen that sort of amplified in crypto. So it sounds like you recognize that fact and you realize we need to do some retraining here.
3: Yeah. And and the thing is, it's it's mostly education. Like most people aren't educated to do this. Like, you know, if you are born into money and you have enough money to stick into something and leave there, you know, you are a very benefit, like a very awesome situation for you as a person. But the reality is 99% of the world is not in that situation. So how can you still make this system work for them? And the only way that I could think to do that was to allow anybody to put any amount of money and you don't need a specific amount of money. You don't need a minimum amount of money to make money. You just need to decide that this is as much as you have to put in and you will make money based on everyone else in the pool, which is honestly how the system should work anyway. In my opinion, maybe you could essentially create a global income that basically met the needs of every person on the planet. And it's not that hard to do.
2: But there's another really cool part of all this, which is the NFTs and fractionalizing art. Sorry if I'm stealing your thunder here.
3: Oh, no, that's good. That's where this is where I pass the torch to somebody else. But this is the second part of this is like, how do we give this staking? Mecha- now we have the staking mechanism. We basically we've created a financial system that will work in it as an economy in itself. But how do we make it valuable? That is where this came in. And I'm going to
0: pass. Yeah, so we've decided to take masterpieces and. So these are some examples. We have a, a Keith Haring, a Basquiat, and this is Peter Max. So for each of these pieces, 100 NFTs are minted and users will be able to buy fractionalized ownership of each piece. So for, for the small guy who doesn't have enough to buy a whole painting, they could own a piece of a painting and they could trade that painting or if they collect all hundred, they could receive that, the physical piece itself.
1: Yeah, we just, I mean, I have to say that is one thing that makes me really happy. So three things are going on here. Number one is how can someone who wants to start collecting art, but has no way, right? You know, maybe just you're, you're just coming out of college or high school. You know, you're just like, wow, I love art, but how do I participate in this? So the first thing is we created a mechanism so that you could stake any amount of money. You would receive the currency that we're using to purchase This first round of NFTs, that was kind of the first big idea. So no matter how much, there is a way for anybody to participate. Then as we're thinking about this, what would be the coolest thing if you could actually, let's say you wanted to own, and it seemed impossible, but you wanted to own a Picasso, which we have one that will be on the platform. It's amazing. We had a show and and people were crying in front of these works of art because they've been so removed from humans. And yet you see one close up and you can connect with it and you can feel it and you can participate.
2: I was there. It was amazing.
1: They're NFTs you can touch. Yes. So now you can have a piece of this masterwork or any other, we're working with a collective and I sort of feel like it's like freeing art, but also giving you a chance to invest.
3: So this goes back to what I was talking about in education. Like I didn't realize you could buy these. I thought the museums owned all of them. Like you just could, you had to find whatever you wanted to see in a museum. And that was the only way you could see it. This guy, fortunately opened my mind and told me that we could get these things. And I was like, why don't we have them? And there's something very different about being in the Louvre or the Getty and seeing these things from afar versus being like, I mean, touching distance from these things, the brushstrokes, everything about them. Like I wasn't really that in the fine art before I had these things in my hands and saw them. And I was like, man, you can see the energy and work that was put into these. It's amazing.
0: Also, I remember a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how someone had offered to just buy them. So for now, you have to get them through labor, right?
3: And time. So can you talk about why we didn't go with that and why we went with the way we went? We didn't want to benefit people that had money. So like, if you have money, you you have the equal shot. of You actually have a better shot because you have more money to stick into this thing so you can generate more of these at a time. But the reality is if we made it so that you could bypass the system that we created, that we think works better, that kind of is just a shot in the foot. And it's kind of like going with the corruption and basically the current financial systems right now. It's like if you don't like the way that something works and you have enough money for it to work a different way, like you can make it work a different way. And that's not the right way for things to work.
2: I think it's important for folks to understand that these pieces, once they go on the platform, they're in a vault. and. They're owned at that point by the people, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that?
3: Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, we will currently we have a vault, and we will be moving into a gallery at some point. As soon as we have enough money to afford the gallery, we've been spending all of our money on acquiring the art. So the byproduct of you know spending money on art is that we have no money for a gallery. But we will be setting up a public gallery, and we have a. They, I, I met a guy last week in Paris at the Ethereum community conference that. Builds um, be augmented, rea- augmented reality, virtual reality galleries that look just like real galleries. You could look at it on your phone. You could actually like go on your Oculus and go walk around the gallery and see these pieces from wherever in the world you are. And you basically could see pieces that you own part of. And we have a, a DAO system that will be the digitally <laughs> decentralized autonomous organization that we will be launching at some point that basically... If you have these pieces of art, you can vote. And as long as you have a majority rule, you could sell the piece of art and everybody that owns a share could benefit from this. If we move them, like basically the shares increase in value, there's all kinds of different... It is an economy. It's not like you put money and you get money out. It's like a entire market in one... It's an entire market in one system. So basically, um, we're, we're trying to create a new system. And this is our marketplace. This is our first marketplace on the Hub. And we have a partnership with another art curator but longer term, like we're we're in talks with several other very exciting things, um, not specific to art. So fashion, we have digital fashion, real fashion, authentication for high-end jewelry, things like that. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> pretty much anything that you can own. There's no reason that you shouldn't certify that it's a real thing. There's just such a huge, especially like any of the high-end market. I, I like to think of EcoFi as like Beverly Hills Mall. Like basically all of the highest end products in this space is what we want to be on our platform. If you lean back a little bit in your chair, it also might help with that. The
0: question that I'm curious about, you know, we've been seeing throughout our experiences in the podcast, NFTs and crypto, and generally a lot lot is about collaborations, right? In communities. And you guys have alluded to some of the potential partnerships and and collaborations that might be going on. But I'm wondering if you could dive in a little bit more specifically about anything that's actually
1: going on or, you know, you foresee going on in the coming months and years? I mean, we'll start with one of my favorite things, having grown up in an artist housing, an artist collective housing in New York City back in the day. I realized the importance of like, I'm looking in this space and this space, just being in this space is so satisfying because it is collaborative spaces where you share ideas and it's like you can share knowledge and ideas. You think of those salons In Paris, you're sharing, you know, oh, we're doing this. This is what's happening in NFT land right now. This is what is happening. It's whatever it is, it's cooked. So as you're engaged in this thing that all of us who are artists, I've had people in music, I've had people, designers, jewelry makers, people just have been minds blown by what is possible. So we have this one beautiful art collective that is all handmade stuff. They have only their entire career of this collective has only been physical stuff. And now they're sticking their toe into this space of NFT. And it's like, everybody is just, oh my God, what's possible? And so that, that's one of our first collaborations that'll come out. But basically our ideal world is we're a hub and you can, whatever you can imagine, you would eventually be able to plug in to the space. Using our technology.
2: You know, it's interesting, Ethan, I'm thinking about one of our previous guests, Digilex, and they have these beautiful metaverse pieces of attire made by world-renowned designers. But some of these pieces I was showing a friend, they run for $180,000. So it's funny because there's fractional creation of these pieces with different designers around the world. And then there's the minting, and then there could be fractional ownership. We could start to be part of garments that celebrities wear, that our favorite gamers wear. And we're like, wait, I own part of that, like, beautiful garment or necklace or, or whatever. It gets pretty wild when you start thinking about these things.
3: So it's actually kind of funny because the DAO hack that he mentioned earlier, like, this was sort of the idea of the DAO initially. It's like, basically, if you have a community of people in, like, a less affluent area of the world, and you can't afford a drill. say, but there's a locker in your community that like everyone in your community could put a fifty cents in, and all of a sudden you have a community drill. You go, you you put your uh, DAO token in. You're saying, I want this drilled for the day. You go rent the drill for the day. You use it. You put it back, and now your community like basically benefits from everyone using this. I mean, I feel like this idea has been around for a long time. It's just been getting more and more refined, and it's like. You kind of have to start with something big. You can't start with the drill. <laughs> Should we throw it back over to Jeff for another question?
2: Absolutely. I'm just realizing this really beats timeshares and sort of takes the whole oh yeah, sort of cooperative community ownership concept to a different level. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Yeah, for
1: sure. So partnerships and collaborations, right? Such a big part of the growing NFT space. Can you tell
3: us a little bit about any forthcoming collabs that you guys are excited about? Well, so we kind of have been hinting at this, but um, I've been in talks with a few very large fashion designers that are trying to kind of get into the NFT space so they can certify their pieces of whatever it is, maybe jewelry, maybe a dress, maybe like anything that is a one of one. Because an idea that we had while we were building this, I'm a big fan of Cartier. And Cartier has a huge fraudulent market. And this works for like Rolex, any of these companies that have just like fraudulent certificates of authenticity. If you had a contract that was verified to the blockchain and this company, and they were like, this is our, our, all of our pieces. When you got your certificate of authenticity, you have a QR code on your watch or whatever, and you scan it, you basically know the exact date and time that that piece was made. And you know that it was made from Cartier's contract. I can make a contract and it'll look the same, but it will not be Cartier's contract. There is no way for me to fake that I own Cartier's contract. It's not possible. So you have real verifications. And this, as far as it goes, I've had so many conversations about this. You cannot eliminate forgeries. It's not possible. People will always find a way to make fakes, but you can really throw a big wrench in their tires. And basically it's like, you know, when you, when you buy something, it's always a thought. You're like, I bought this really expensive thing is it real? Like is it real? Like even if I buy it from a store that is their store, it's like did like someone on a boat over sneak these watches into the boat and now I have a fake watch? I mean, it's possible this would make it a lot harder to do.
2: So, what's the next year from now look like for EcoFi? Tell us a little bit about your roadmap and what additional features you're bringing to the masses.
0: So, right now our platform is uh, is in a demo stage. The technology's built and we're just working out all the all the kinks and the bugs. And actually tomorrow the token is going to be trading live. So that's the first step. And then we will deploy to mainnet where the platform will be live. Then we will start selling NFTs. And as time progresses, we will move on to other
3: things like Kevin was saying, authentication of, of anything really. So, I mean, since we've been talking about sort of the roadmap in general, anyways, there's a few other things that we've been kind of working on I have other people in the space that are kind of building these things that are kind of half cocked, and we're we're ready to give them the space to do it. So the curated list for Spotify on like blockchain, where all the artists actually get paid for their work on Spotify rather than not getting paid for their work on Spotify. But basically, so you have a curated list. You are you have these curators that basically hold an NFT that some artist is given to curate their their work. So they actually get the as someone who's made a playlist on Spotify. You would actually get kicked back. To- you yourself would get kicked back every time someone listened to that song. Your playlist got liked, the tracks got liked, the artists would get paid too. So, music is something that I, as soon as our platform is up and stable with the art, I will be moving into kind of, I will be, it's at least some of my time will go into the music because my background is in music and I really think that that industry is also screwed up. So, that will be in play, our VR, AR. Basically, we want to make these marketplaces something you could walk around in from wherever you are. So it doesn't matter what you are. We can basically stick whatever you have up in Marketplace. We can go stick on your, your goggles. You can go look on your phone, go like zoom in. So it's like a Google Street View on your maps.
1: Yeah, you could, you could go look at what you own. Even the um, NFT Marketplace that we have, you'll be able to, if you have an NFT, that will give you access to both physically visit the gallery, but also virtually visit the gallery, which is, you know, which is kind of great because obviously this is a global phenomenon. So to be
3: able to be anywhere in the world and kind of buzz through is, it's super sexy. Yes. And if you can come in person and you own something, you can come see it. At this point, we are starting it as a private gallery. We don't know what kind of the people will be in there, all that, but we are letting you get very close to these paintings. So we are probably going to try and keep it pretty private. And then these, we'll be boosting these digital galleries because they really are exactly the same. I was actually really surprised when this guy was showing me these marketplaces, the, the the galleries he was building. I was like, that's not a real art gallery. Like It looks exactly like, and I showed him a picture of where we threw this event and they literally look the same, except for that every frame matches on his. Ours are all kind of different.
0: <laughs> it's very cool stuff. So we're, we're going to ask our last sort of kind of curiosity question, but then we're going to find out a little bit about you guys, which is, uh, which is our next fun segment, Edge Quick Hitters last question we usually like to get a pulse on what our guests are thinking about other projects and platforms and you know how they see kind of the future of nfts in general so any projects or platforms you guys are excited about aside from ecofi you'd like to call out
3: all right so this one in specific specifically that i was talking about there are RTFKT studios they're doing this they're doing digital fashion so they're doing like they all come from the gaming community So they're doing like skins for video games. And then they were like, why can't we do this for real life? So they do these really, really cool. You can basically be looking at someone on your phone on the street and they can throw new clothes on them.
0: It's kind of like uh, skins, right? So on video games, like let's take, for example, Fortnite or anything, you can purchase skins and wear them. So in the future, which is now you'll be able to wear glasses and you will see all of your all of your friends and peers wearing the skins that they have purchased and, and built. And it will be in live in real time. So yeah, we've we've talked about this a little bit before on the, on the program. Sort of this future where someone can have an AR version of themselves, exactly, which yeah. you can only perceive in a certain layer of reality. And So you know, you you can sort of wonder like, what's so cool about that guy over there? Until you kind of get the glasses on. AR. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Very yeah, interesting. So they're stuff.
3: building this, and they are mostly done with it. It's really cool what they are doing already. I guess I can also give a shout out to like Luxo and Swarm too. Swarm is essentially IPFS, but a little more decentralized, a little more stable. And Luxo is an EVM-based blockchain that we may be using. Fabian from the Ethereum Foundation, he built a secondary blockchain that basically is still using the Ethereum virtual machine. So they're both cross-chain compatible as long as you do stuff, except for it's cheaper. Fabian, if no one knows him, he created the OC20 tokens. And now has created a 725, which is a upgradable version of NFTs that also has a global profile. So basically it's like an uh, NFT IDs. MetaMask too. Yeah. MetaMask is cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. That's a good segue. Actually, we have them coming on our show in a couple of weeks. So something to look forward to for our audience Amazing. to learn more good. about Luxo. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that. Are you guys ready for some quick hitters? Let's go. All right. So, yeah. Edge quick hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There are four questions we're looking for just a short, single, or few-word response, but feel free to expand if you really get the urge. Make sense? Perfect. All right, I'll kick it off. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
3: Lawrence, why don't you go first? Hey, shoe shine Kit. All right. Kevin? So I remember something earlier than this, but the first thing I saved my money to buy was my first guitar, like not my first guitar, it was the first star I ever bought myself it was a Gibson Gothic Les Paul.
2: Nice. You guys have some really eclectic choices here. We haven't heard those before. <laughs> Mine was a pair of all white Nike Air Max slow tops. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the typical answer we get to this question is candy, but we'll just roll with that. That was too easy.
1: I
0: I like how the shoeshine kid is pretty awesome. And and, and I get that sense from Lawrence. He's got this sort of dapperness about him that's lasted this long. (laughs) All right. So next question we're bringing up to the block here is, what is the most recent thing that you sold? Recent thing you sold. That I can talk about. You can talk about whatever you (laughs) want here. I mean... (laughs) We've had a uh, guest who sold cutouts from his parents' porno magazines when he was a kid. So, you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> you could take it to the limit if you like. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry? Yeah. So, uh, most recent thing was a two-week ticket to a energetic, sensuality, tantric conference that I was teaching. Excellent. And that's actually sounds much cleaner than what he did as a kid.
0: <laughs> that's how he makes it sound, you know?
3: <laughs> So I sold a decent amount of Ethereum. It's the most recent thing that I've sold to help my brother buy a property. Good exchange of values. How about you?
0: Yeah, I haven't really I don't really sell anything. Um, I keep everything. So I can't remember the last thing I sold, honestly. He's
1: that's
2: lying. happened
1: before too. Deep deep His dignity. <laughs> we'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll
2: have to observe that a little bit more as I get to know Denver better. All right, so next question. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? Let's start with Denver this time. I would go to space. I'd buy that trip. Sure. Where in space? Just around. Just up, up in space. I would go there. Well, hang out with Branson up there.
3: That's fun. I know exactly what I would buy. So there's a 10-acre, 10, $10 million property on the lake that I live by basically have over an acre of beachfront property. That's what I would buy. Wow. I would love to buy
1: housing that like really, really, really super affordable housing that could waste its space, print some housing, put
3: people in places to live. Okay, a second answer because it's the opposite of that. And this is something that I would also buy if I had unlimited funds. It's every house in the neighborhood that I like in the South Bay. So that I could make a township and call it like Kevinville or something. <laughs> and no one could live there except for my friends. And I would have this little township with its own laws of all my friends. It would be amazing.
2: That all sounds Those good. laws would be notice, weird. Notice how they didn't say they'd buy a Pablo Picasso. Because guess what? They already did. Already done. Off the list. Next question up here is, if
0: you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Let's go with Denver. Sure. I believe in the way I live my life is by ABC, always be cool. So I think always keeping your composure and never looking or never feeling or act, you know, just keeping your, your,
3: your cool is what I would pass on because I think that goes the furthest. I don't have that personality trait. So. What I would pass on is my sense of self-worth, like the, 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 my knowing of who I am. Like I, I know a lot of people, I've met a lot of people in my life and I don't know a lot of people that are as confident in who they are as I am. And sometimes that makes me a little obnoxious to deal with. But the reality is, is there's something about just when there's nobody that can tell me who I am. I know exactly who I am. And I do not know a lot of people like that. If I could give that away, I would.
1: Know thyself. That's beautiful. How about you,
3: Lawrence? I'm gonna go with the... Uh...
1: Just open mindedness, see what's possible, energy, open mindedness, just be like, what is going on? Really, courage. Yeah, courage is like that. You need courage to go to those places. Yeah, that's true. All right, beautiful
0: answers, guys. So that concludes Edge Quick Hitters, right?
2: That's Edge Quick Hitters. We wanted to make sure we give our live audience a chance to ask their burning questions as well. Do folks in the audience have questions? Raise your hand if you have a question for the EcoFi, guys, all right, We've got a couple of questions. So I'm gonna pass the mic over here, and Zach will meet you over there to ask your question. All right. So, hi,
0: I'm Nestor Bonilla. I'm a blockchain developer, guys. I want to ask, what are your thoughts about social purpose? We can have a physical or virtual gallery, for instance, of paints, music, and other type of arts, but really. That's not inclusive in the way how, for instance, you were mentioning people under dictatorship for Venezuela, Nicaragua, Afro-Nicaragua, and so on and so forth. But how can we co-create a more real, tangible, inclusive ecosystem that's not
3: based on a developed country mindset? That's not based on a, like, how could I go fix this country if I, like, how could I actually include them if I wanted to? So if I can prove that this can work, so I can pitch it to a bank and I think with a billion dollars, we can fix an economy like Venezuela's. So this is, I want to be inclusive. Like I want to include these kinds, like I like basically it's because these systems are kind of the basis of what I wanted to build. If I had enough money, I could go fix them. Like, but that's the reality is it's like a money in the right mechanisms. You can't just throw money at countries like this because that's the problem is that every time there's money there, they take it and do other stuff with it. But if you could take a mechanism like what we're building and implement it there, you would essentially force them to not do that. Also, you would have to kick out a lot of politicians. Uh, So, I mean, as far as it goes, if like the reason that this works and is like sort of incorruptible as far as it goes and why it would work in a place like this is because we're using Ethereum smart contracts and smart contracts currently they're immutable. Like as soon as I deploy a code and it's working, like it does exactly what it does. And I can't change that. So, like, if you were a government politician, you were like, I want to instate the system, you couldn't go and pull money out of it unless you put money into it. So there's no way for the system to be corruptible, other than going and, like, killing people for their money, which is, you know.
2: (laughs) Okay. So what other questions do we have for the audience? Thank you for your question. Mm -hmm. So if we own paintings, you know, physical paintings, how can we use your platform to actually tokenize and fractionalize these paintings and share the ownership with the rest of the world.
3: So it's going to depend on if you are the artist or if you own the painting. That's like some, and it's by like a Basquiat. So the way that that would work, if you wanted to fractionalize art on our platform, what you would have to do is send the art to our vault. We would verify that it's a real piece. We would issue your tokens that then you could go sell on the platform until. So as soon as you have a piece that someone has generated an entire set of from our vault, And they want that piece, we'll send it to them, but we're going to burn the entire set, print them a one-of-one NFT, send them the NFT with our token that says you have the thing in the NFT, but it is no longer in our vault. As long as there is a set that's in our, that we have the sets that are on the platform being sold and they can be sold on other platforms too. So as long as the sets of NFTs are on our platform, we have that art and it's verified in our vault. It's an authentic piece and you can buy and sell the shares on the platform.
1: And there would be other ways. So let's say you're an artist and you want to put up your work. Ideally, where we're going with this, you asked also about like the future is it's very important to me, having been in, in just digital space for a long time to make it as easy as possible. So ultimately we'll have a plug and play marketplace. So you could start tomorrow. You have your
3: art, go through a set of protocols, follow those protocols. Anyone that's listed on our marketplace as their uh, like as their own marketplace or as an artist on our marketplace that doesn't have a verified set of EcoFi NFTs, you can sell whatever you want. But you, you're basically going to assume that when you, but I would I would think that as a user buying an NFT on a marketplace that wasn't verified by us, that you're buying an NFT just like NFTs are being sold right now. There's no way to there's no way for us to verify that it's a real there's actually a physical art piece. Until we have it in our vault, we can't say that we are verifying. This is an actual art piece that we have because anyone can say they own a Picasso. It's, as soon as we have it in the vault, we're saying, we, we have your Picasso and people will buy it.
0: <laughs> so
3: there's a party in your apartment, Nick. Our okay. audience member invited these gentlemen
2: to his apartment to check out their art and decide what should go on the platform. I'll be interested to see what comes of that. I think we had a couple other questions from the audience. If you could just speak into the mic. Yeah. Kind of building off of his line of questions, does that imply that you would eventually start talking to artists in terms of commissioning via NFTs where you have a verified or validated
3: artist and then they could sell NFTs to a future piece of work that they may or may not be working on? Certainly possible. Yeah. Yes. The partner that we were talking about initially, our other art marketplace is, is an art curator for art. And they basically are like these pieces will be commissioned for our marketplace, and then at the point that the they're going to basically create these uh, these these pieces, and at the point that an entire set is generated, then the real the the, the real piece is made and sent to whoever owns it. Again, I think there's another question. Hi guys.
2: First of all, very nice idea, but to bring the great art to the mass market. Awesome. Uh, my question is about, what about the dead person? For example, we are old people, we bought the NFT, the, for example, Basque, And for example, my friend, right, she wants to buy, she wants to purchase all pieces, right, and to get it to her house. But for example, I am the person who died and lost all my keys and all my keys from my MetaMask wallet lost. So what's going to be in this case?
0: So this has actually been brought up several times. So at the, at the end of the year we are implementing a DAO system, right? Where where people who own another set of tokens will be able to vote. And and what did you
3: come to to the- Yeah, so basically it'll be there will be some period of time that you have to respond. But basically if you have a majority rule vote that you like, basically everyone that owns a piece except for five shares of it want to sell, pieces is going to be sold and those five pieces will probably still get their share of the money. Because we, if you die and your keys, you lose or you lose your keys, either could be true. You can't, you don't know, like basically there's, you can't just not pay those shares out because they are legal shares of the company or of that piece of art. So you basically, everyone would get their share and then the dead guy would also get shares. The dead guy would be supporting the value of the whole network. So
0: we also spoke about if there was a hundred pieces and the dead guy had five, it would just go down to 95 pieces. Right. if some time had passed. Thank
2: you. But also, can I ask uh, one more question about the tech part? So, for example, you have your old smart, smart contract. You're going to deploy it and verify it by scan. So I have a question. When are going to mint the NFT? Which service are you going
3: to use? You're going to use like ceramics, like outside service? Or are you going to have your own IPFS? So currently we're using AWS and Cloudflare because AWS and Cloudflare are the most stable things that you can use. As soon as Swarm or IPFS's servers are stable enough that I feel comfortable putting our NFT, it's, the NFTs on them, we'll use them. The reality is the way that we are doing NFTs, it doesn't matter all that much because it's actually a share of the artwork. So the server, what the, the IPFS server holds is the screenshot or the pho- like high-res photo of this art piece. Like if the IPFS server went down and we lost basically your your token, you'd still have it in your wallet because it's a token on blockchain. IPFS servers don't affect that. You'd have your token. It would have all of the information in it that says that you have this share of this art piece. The only thing that would be missing is the photo of the RPS, which ours don't matter at all, except for the fact that you have a representation of it because of the fact that you own a piece of an actual thing. We'd actually have to burn this for you to lose that.
2: All right. Well... I know there's definitely more questions and I would invite our audience to talk to these gentlemen after the show and they're around and there'll be some appetizers and drinks for everyone. Before we conclude, I just want to offer a special thank you to Budman Studio, as well as Startup Coil, Ripple FX, Emporium TIE, and Liquid Death. Our sponsors helped make this event possible and are awesome companies and organizations. And we're very grateful for them for being part of this production today. One additional question for our guests is if our listeners are excited about EcoFi and want to get to know you guys better, where do they go? I would go to EcoFi.io. All of
3: our social links are there. Our YouTube is there. All of our Medium articles are there. You can, yeah, you can find our way into our Telegram that way. We do have a team at EcoFi.io. There's a Denver, Lawrence, and Kevin team at at EcoFi.io. You're better off in our Telegram because that's where we are.
0: E C O F I dot Io and you can go anywhere from there. We also had one other special guest that we forgot to name. There was some sort of a sound effects creator here towards the end. Who is that, Kevin? That was
3: Lyra Mae. That's my daughter. She's, okay. <laughs>
2: just so we
3: clarify. She, she was likes, going out. She likes microphones. It's a hazard. Well, thanks for your guest appearance.
1: Family trait passed down.
2: Usually, you know, we get animals when we're doing the podcast via Zoom at home, but now that we're live, we have new sound effects.
3: (laughs) Yeah, pretty awesome. She's my favorite. So if she's around, she's here.
2: All right. So um, we've had a
0: great time today. We want to thank, uh, of course, our studio audience for being here. Guys, we really appreciate you showing up and being a part of what we're creating here. It's growing faster than we can imagine. And we love that you're a part of it. And we hope you stay up to date with what we're doing. And continue to help us co-create Edge of NFT. We've reached the outer limits at the Edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? You can go to iTunes right now. You might as well go ahead on your phones right now and do that. (laughs) Go to iTunes right now. Give us a rating and say something cool. And then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Uh, got guests you want to see on the episode, questions for the hosts or guests, an NFT you'd like us to review, drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at at edgeofnft. Be sure to tune in next week for more great NFT content. Thanks for sharing this time with us. Hey there, listener. We hope you enjoyed that killer conversation. I know we did. Before you go, let me remind you that in the spirit of the show's main topic, fractionalizing art, we've got that awesome giveaway I mentioned up front. Here's how to enter. Visit at Edge of NFT on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and you'll be guided through entering that giveaway worth $7,500, including the Picasso lithograph, with a certificate of authenticity, along with 10 minted NFTs that represent the entirety of the fractions of that print. Enter now and take advantage of all the entry options for a greater chance to win.